In a world where just about anything is Googleable, and you can get your answers on ChatGPT or using AI, heck, you can create graphics with AI now, it surprises me how many people are still getting inspiration and maybe just a little bit too much inspiration from others in their industry on social media. Yes, I'm, I'm talking about maybe taking an image off of Google and using it on your social media or looking at somebody in your industry's Instagram post and saying, that's amazing. I'm going to share it too. They'll never know. Guess what? That's not legal. You can't do that. Welcome to this week's episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. I'm Katie Brinkley, and you're listening to the premier podcast for business owners ready to elevate their influence and impact in the industry. Have you ever wondered how digital marketing can revolutionize your business? Well, with two decades of experience empowering business leaders, consultants, and coaches, I understand the transformative power of digital marketing. Today, we're not just discussing strategies, we're crafting your digital legacy. In each episode, we'll dissect the trends, strategies, and insights that are shaping the future of marketing. You'll walk away with actionable knowledge to thrust your business forward and stories of local enterprises making a global impact. Are you ready to turn insights into action? Let's jump into today's episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing and start shaping your legacy. I went straight to somebody that I've been connected with on Instagram Man, I want to say for maybe three or four years now. And she's here in the Denver area, but it wasn't until recently when I got really serious about trademarking that she and I got to hop on the phone and have some conversations. And I was like, man, I got to bring you on the podcast and talk a little bit with all of you because there, you are just a wealth of knowledge. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking to my friend Taylor today. And Taylor is the founding attorney of Williams Law, which is a modern law firm for the modern business owner and the C-suite, which is a contract template shop. Her practice focuses on helping business owners protect their businesses and their brands via contracts and intellectual property protection. Taylor, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with me today. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Like you said, we've been connected for such a long time. So it's been amazing to talk with you about your IP and then discuss all of these other protections because once you open that door, it's just a world of its own. Well, and you've given your followers on it. So well, I know that I typically say this for the end of the podcast, but if you're not connected with Taylor on Instagram, absolutely follow her because she has a wealth of tips and information for all business owners in regards to protecting, like you said, your IP, your intellectual property. So well, before we, we dive into what you can and can't share and how to make sure that you're following all the rules, why did you decide to go into to this avenue of law as opposed to, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people when they think of law, they're like, oh, like a divorce attorney or a, a trial lawyer or anything like that. Yes. And so when I first started my legal career, I worked for a law firm doing corporate and commercial litigation. So I was that standard trial attorney that you think of. However, I did not like that practice. It wasn't very enjoyable. People were always upset all of the time, obviously, because they're going through these big disputes. 
And then I just realized for the business owner, there were so many things they could have done prior to ever getting in these expensive disputes to avoid even getting close to this. So I wanted to create a practice that did just that helped my ideal clients avoid these expensive (laughs) disputes. And then with that, I find myself, of course, working with clients who are excited to protect their IP. They're excited to be in these positions where they're not, like I said, on the complete other end, drained monetarily, emotionally, and just going through these these time-consuming issues. So I started my own practice. I do the transactional side of things very much (laughs) pre-lawsuit. I don't go to court anymore, thankfully. Uh, But yeah, and I've just built my practice from there to be this practice that is really designed to protect business owners throughout their business. And I think a lot of people might not necessarily be realizing how important it is to to follow the rules in the digital space. I, I think that with the, with a lot of business owners, it, I can't tell you how many people I've come to and I'm like, you can't just take a that image off of Google, somebody else owns that. Or stock imagery, like, oh, I just found it off of Reddit or Pinterest. And that's somebody else's. So I guess let's dive in. That's a good t- starting point. Where, where, I guess, where do you think that the lines got blurred as to things being on, anything on Google is free game? Oh, I think that has to do with a few things. And that is just the ease that technology has provided to be able to copy and paste or screenshot and share on your own page. That alone just makes it makes people think, okay, I can do this. Like, why would it be so easy if I couldn't? So they start there. And then I noticed that with social media platforms, I especially saw a lot of people saying, okay, there are terms and conditions on these social media platforms like Instagram or Twitter, for example. They say, whatever you share on here, we can use. And so those terms that these platforms are using have then confused the users into thinking, they're saying, if you share it here, I can use it too, but that's not the case. Instagram is saying, if you share your photo on Instagram, Instagram can use it in a commercial, for example. But that does not mean anybody can use your photo, your video, whatever it is on their own social media pages. And they can't take it and put it on another platform or whatever it is. So I think these two things with it being easy and then this misunderstanding of the terms is where it really all started. And then the misconception of the fair use doctrine. So a lot of people say it's fair use. It was on Google. It's fair use. It was in the public domain. There are these terms that people are just using in a totally incorrect way. And fair use is a very limited exception to copyright. So where you have created something, whether it is a photo you've taken, or maybe you create a graphic on social media and you write this caption, that text, when you put it out into the world, you own the copyright. That's it. You don't have to do anything else there. It's automatic and you own it as the creator. And then... A lot of people say, this is fair use. I'm using this thing. However, the fair use doctrine says that you can use somebody else's photo if you are teaching about it, for example, or maybe it's on a news station for commentary. It's these very limited exceptions. But again, people think because they're sharing it to the internet, it's just freely available to be used. And the public domain, again, gets worked in there because people think the internet is 
a public domain. However, the public domain says that where somebody has a copyright, they have it for this pretty extended time period. And after that time period expires, it goes into what's called the public domain, which is a database at the U.S. Copyright Office that says you can use this work freely. And we saw that with very early versions of Mickey Mouse, for example, <laughs> went into the public domain and then people could recreate that art or those stories and use it in a different way because that copyright had expired. But that is something that, again, is also very limited and not just freely available and happening every day. So that is what's really crazy to me is with this domain, public domain, I think everybody's gotten, oh, there it's on there. Anyone can use it. And I actually had a client once who she said she she saw somebody that was using some of her social media, like some of her pictures. So she's a home organizer and they were using her pictures on their Pinterest page. And I guess if, unless you have somebody that's being the eyes and ears for your company, how do you really regulate that? Yeah, it's really hard to do, but you have, you, you have to be those eyes and ears. And sometimes it'll happen naturally where somebody will say, Hey, I just saw this photo and I thought you took it. And then you realize that is your photo. Or you can do a reverse Google image search, which is just a, an awesome tool. So put your image, your graphic, whatever it is, put it in there and search and see how many other places it is, wherever it is on the internet, find it. And then you can submit takedown reports to have those images removed. And that is really scratching the surface because there are law firms that their sole purpose is to do just that. They take their client's image, they put it into Google images, find all the uses, and they don't submit the takedown reports. They submit a cease and desist letter with a demand for payment. And those demands for payment can be anywhere from a few hundred dollars to a few thousand dollars. And if you're using their image, that's just blatant copyright infringement, and they're entitled to that amount. So if they find that you're using their client's image, you could be looking at a lawsuit or you're out hundreds of dollars at the very least. That's crazy to me. But I guess, how often do you think that if somebody doesn't want to have hire a, a legal team or a law firm to be doing reverse image searches, if how often do you think that people should be running their social media, their images through something like this Google reverse image search? So if you have a really high performing post, or there's an image that was just more popular, then I would do that once a month. If you're like, that is just totally not ever going to happen, then I would make a plan to do it quarterly. It doesn't have to be very frequent. You don't have to be doing it every day. And then when you do these searches, take the screenshots before ever reaching out to these people and make sure you have documented that evidence that they are infringing and then go from there. But you don't have to do it it's not something that should stress you out as a content creator or somebody who's sharing content in any capacity, but you should still be looking to some extent, especially if, like I said, it's a very high performing post or a popular image. And I've seen people use this before and I just want to make sure it's super protected. And I think that Taylor, one of the things to think about for maybe business owners who are using a social media manager or are outsourcing their social media this is something that they should maybe do on their own 
to make sure that they are in compliance because they might be saying like, okay, so I've hired you social media person to be handling my social media. I'm assuming what you're doing, but they might be, depending on where you have your, unless you hire next step social, you're not going to have that problem. But if you're, there could be a problem for people that they weren't even thinking about. Yes. And I recently dealt with an issue where my client came to me and was like, Hey, my social media manager pulled this photo off Pinterest, shared it on my Instagram. And now I have one of those letters that says, if you don't pay me $5,000, I will sue you. And they're like, my social media manager thought it was okay to come from Pinterest. I didn't know any better. And because her business was the one that had shared that photo, her business is liable for that copyright infringement. And because her contract didn't say that the social media manager wouldn't take any infringing media and share it on her page, there's really nothing that she could do to to pass that on to the social media manager. And it was really the business's cost. So my client had to pay that amount. We can negotiate it down to an extent, but they were still liable for that amount because they just shared that photo off Pinterest. So yeah, it can be a very huge issue and I see it all the time. For those people who are listening to the podcast and not watching it, my face really showed a lot of emotion during all everything that Taylor was just sharing because I can't imagine getting a letter like that, but that's why you have to be so diligent. That's why you have to make sure that you're higher. If you're doing your social media yourself, you're taking it into consideration as to everything that you put out there. And then too, if you're outsourcing it, that the person you hire knows what they're doing. What would some of your tips be to making sure that you are in compliance if you are a, a, a social media manager, or if you're outsourcing your social media, or if you're, you're doing it yourself, just your top tips for social media compliance. Yes. Using original content is going to be the biggest way to be compliant. You're providing, whether it's for your own social media page, like you said, or to your social media manager, photos that you have taken, videos that you have taken, because when you create the content, you are the copyright holder. So you're not going to have that issue. Then you want to be really careful with sounds because it's very easy, obviously, to use sounds, whether it's on TikTok or Reels or whatever it is. You want to make sure that you have the license to use these sounds. And in most cases where you are using a business account, you're going to have those commercial sounds available. But where you have a personal account and maybe you've created a personal brand around yourself and you have access to all of these unlicensed sounds and you're using them in a commercial capacity, you could get in trouble for that as well. You see a lot of posts get removed for using songs that are popular Like I said, if you're on your commercial account, your business account, that shouldn't be an issue, but you want to make sure that you have those permissions set so you are staying in compliance as best as possible as far as the sound goes. And back to using the original content, if you are using like a meme, for example, that underlying photo of that meme is copyright protected. So you want to, again, be very careful when you're using those memes, if you're using them for a commercial purpose, if you're making money off of them, it's going to potentially cause issues. And then it gets even worse if the memes have celebrities in them, because then you're using a celebrity's likeness and their image to sell your products or services. So be very careful when you're using memes. And I just recommend, again, creating your own memes 
possible, if you can do that with your own photos, that's going to be a great way to do it. And then if you're using content creators and influencers, you want to have a contract or terms in place that say whatever content they create is yours. And that way you can use it on your social media and you can alter it as you want. And you're not going to have to worry about them coming back saying, this is mine, remove it. Because again, even if they're working with you in a business capacity, whether it's just something as quick as a review, they're making a video review, whatever it is, if you share it on their page and you don't have that express permission to do so and those contract terms, then it's copyright infringement and that can come back to bite you. So very clear terms in place to make sure you absolutely own that content. So if everyone listening right now is scared to ever post on social media again, I encourage you to go and look at Taylor's account because obviously all the dangers of not creating your own content and you post a lot on Instagram. I think that's the only platform I'm connected to you on. You might be on yeah. other ones, but I see the stuff that you, you post a lot on Instagram. And so it just goes to show you when you know your ideal client, your product, your service, your offering, you can still create a lot of content mm -hmm. yourself. I, I yeah. think that, so <laughs> I guess, what advice would you give to people who you might've just scared from ever posting on social media again? <laughs> I always say that legal feels like you're trying to take a drink of water out of a fire hose. It feels like you are just getting absolutely hosed with this information. And like you said, hearing that you're like, oh my gosh, like now I have all of these rules and I don't even know where to start. But the reality is that it's not that intimidating. It should, don't feel scared. Don't feel worried about it. Just really make an effort to create your own content and where you cannot, and you are getting content somewhere else, just make sure you have the express permission to share that, whether it's from a contract or if you are using stock image photos, you want to just check those terms really quickly to make sure that they are allowing you to share on social media. But for everything you're using or sharing or putting out there, just make sure you have the right to do it. And it's very quick. It's very easy, but just make sure you do that with everything. So you should not be scared. It'll take just a few seconds out of every <laughs> post to make sure and, and just double check those boxes. But it really is very easy and it will save you so much money in the long run. It'll save you, like I said, that lawsuit or negotiating down from $10,000 to $2,000. So yeah, it's worth it. And, and you mentioned some contracts that you should have in place or verbiage that you should have in place if you are working with influencers. What other kind of contracts or trademarks do you think are important for business owners to have as they, because a lot of people might not even be thinking about any of the stuff that we're talking about today until it's too late until it. And I'm sure that's how the majority of people come to work with you is it's <laughs> this just happened. And if, if we could save somebody that terrible letter in their inbox or in their mailbox, what verbiage yes. or contracts would you make sure that you have in place? Yeah. So contracts are more of a range because you're going to want a contract for everything. So where you're working <laughs> with an affiliate or an influencer, you want to have that influencer marketing agreement that, like I said, gives you all the rights to that media so you can use it however you want. And then if you have a digital course, for example, you're going to want terms of use. That way, somebody who buys your course can't just 
repurpose it and sell it as their own because you have, they've agreed to those terms. So things like that, just having every contract in place for every little thing is really going to matter, which I know is not fun because it's not the fun part of business. It just isn't to be honest. But if, like I said, your original content, not something you've created, then you have to check those boxes, make sure you have it. And if you don't, you're going to want contract terms to to govern that. And like I said, with those terms of use or the influencer marketing agreement, those things are going to give you that you that permission to use it. And even with the podcast, for example, when you get on a podcast, you sign a release that then gives you the right to use this content however you want. And though even though I'm the one talking, I'm the one sharing the information. Technically, I could say, I want you to remove this podcast, but after I sign that release, it's your IP and you can do whatever you want with it. So while it sounds like it's a big thing, small things like having that agreement in place are are going to make a world of difference in your business. So you're saying it was good that I had that release in there before you came on. Oh, yay. (laughs) So yeah, so all my guests that come on to Rocky Mountain Marketing have to sign a release. Just And it was something that I learned at PodFest. It's the importance of having Because that was something I never even, again, I never even thought about of someone saying, I know, but I don't want you to actually share it. Right. Oh, okay. And that's not something that happens often. Like people don't say, you you don't record a podcast with everyone. And then they say, I don't really want you to share that, but it will happen. It's bound to happen. And when it does, you don't want to be like, I don't know what to do now. And having that release, you're just like set and they can't do that because you own it. Speaking of things we own. Things like my likeness, the picture of me, a video of me, that's something that I technically might not be able to own anymore in the world of AI. And it's something that was what was behind a lot of the whole writer strike in Hollywood and the actors and the, the actors even signed off on it saying that it, eventually that it was okay for their digital likeness to be used for them. It is a crazy world that we're starting to live in where if I publish too many pictures of myself, somebody could potentially steal them and say, they're, that's me. What do you see happening with all of these digital qu- clones in, in, as AI continues to evolve? 2023 was the year of AI, uh, the written AI. And I think 2024 mm-hmm. is going to be the video or the, the photo AI where it really starts evolving. What do you see really happening with that and how we can protect it? Yeah, AI is such a weird thing because it is so new. And then, of course, when... The, the legal field just moves slower in general. So you see slow decisions being made from courts, for example. They're not really rash decisions. And a lot of these things just take a lot of time. And so where AI itself is so new, we're really just seeing courts look at these potential issues involved with AI. So I don't really know where that's headed, but I do know with the written content, for example, if you're having AI generate something and then you are just taking it as is and selling it or posting it on Instagram or whatever it is, you don't own that content. You did not create it. Somebody else did, whether it is the owner of the AI software, it's disputed who owns it, but somebody else does own it. And same goes with 
the images and the art that AI is creating, somebody else owns that at the end of the day. So you have to be very careful with even that content. And I always recommend making a disclaimer when you are sharing like an AI caption, for example, or an AI generated digital good. Maybe it's like a workbook or something. Make that disclaimer so people know that this is not coming from you. It is AI generated. And then with those images, I would be very careful with sharing AI generated images on your social media account. Again, especially without making a disclaimer, but just in general because of those issues. Yeah. And so we, we've also seen tons of artists suing these AI companies because, or the, the software developers, because they're taking all of this art and then creating a new art, but it's really using this designer's artwork. So yeah, I expect to see a lot of decisions in the coming years regarding who owns it, how AI can use these pre-existing works, but it's it's really hard to tell how it's going to all pan out right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I think that it's it goes to show you that creating content is important for your business. But this is another reason why I think that posting less on social media, you don't need to post every single day because if you're creating good, genuine content that's coming directly from you, it's hard to create that much content. So Taylor, I guess kind of one one final question I want to leave you to. I have two questions, but I've been seeing a lot of this happen lately and I'm going to move away from the AI talk, but sharing someone else's likeness or somebody else's quote from your social media account. Let's say I wanted to share a Brad Pitt quote. I don't know why I chose him, but Brad Pitt quote. And I find up a picture of him and I put his quote over it and I share it from my account. Can I do that? So the with this Because it's not my likeness, issue, it's someone else's. Yeah. <laughs> and the image is going to be the biggest problem here oh, yeah, because okay, okay. if you're creating that graphic with the quote, that's going to be fine. You're using the quote. You have, it, it's clear that you're quoting this person, their name's on it, and you've created this graphic on your own. But where you're putting their photo in there as well, or their photo into that graphic, that you didn't take that photo, then you run into those issues where then there's copyright gotcha. infringement with that photo and then that potential likeness. If you're saying, I see those memes with, Drake, where it's like Drake giving like a side eye look, like, oh, the competitor versus, yeah, versus yeah. like my brand. <laughs> yeah. That is then when you're doing it in, in that way, as opposed to just a quote, you're starting to use that celebrity's likeness more to say, hey, they're endorsing my brand. So you want to avoid that. Whereas the quote's safer because you're just sharing something they said with that attribution. And especially, like I said, where you're creating your own graphic, where maybe it's just a text on that square. But yeah, that underlying image could create a lot of issues. Oh, man. This has been such an amazing conversation. I could ask you all sorts of legal questions in regards to digital blogging and podcasting and social media, all of the things that we're doing online that we really don't think about as one, people potentially taking and using for their own, but two, uh, stuff that we're taking and producing right. as our own. It, like you just said, the, the Drake meme, like I can think of at least five different people who have used that meme recently. And I'm like, oh man, I that's, that is going around and we, we probably, none of us have the rights to using it. Okay. So 
I've already said that people need to follow you on Instagram. I'll include a link in the show notes, Denver Trademark Law. So follow Taylor for sure. But you also, we didn't even get a chance. I think this just is a sign that you need to come back on the show. But you also have the C-suite, which is that contract template shop. Tell us a little bit about that, where they can connect with you further. And if they want to get that that C-suite, where they should go for it. Because I think, I hope a lot of listeners had light bulb moments of, okay, I need to get some contracts in place and get some understanding around what I'm posting, what I'm sharing, what I'm not sharing, and who I'm working with. So tell us a little bit more about the C-suite. Yeah. So the C-suite is that contract template shop. And the idea, my idea behind it was to make sure that businesses have the opportunity to get attorney drafted contracts. So they have peace of mind knowing that it's not like an AI drafted contract, for example, which has tons of holes in it. They have this attorney drafted contract with all of the terms that they can instantly just download and use those contracts right away in their business. Just change a few you know, terms, customize it, and then boom, be able to send it out to their influencers to be able to upload it for their digital course, for example. So that is csuitecontracts.com. And it's just designed to give businesses the opportunity to have that attorney drafted contract without the hourly rate of a custom contract. Oh, that sounds awesome. It's really easy to have AI help you with your captions, with your contracts, with anything. But I guess we're still at a point with our legal system that we have to make sure that you're protecting your own IP, yet you are making sure that all of the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed, and AI can't ensure that just yet. Use AI as that brainstorming buddy to help you think of the content that you can create, to help you think of the different courses that you can then create or the social media captions or ask it the questions that you might have uh, around trademarking. I worked with Taylor to get my business trademarked. Ask it those questions and then go to a a human for now to actually get the work done. Taylor, this has been such a great conversation. I really appreciate you spending your your time with us today. And hopefully everyone will go and follow you on Instagram and and check out the csuite.com. I'll include them in the notes. But yeah, thanks again so much for joining me on Rocky Mountain Marketing. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. I hope you're leaving with valuable insights and the inspiration to lead your market. If you've enjoyed our time together and found today's podcast episode useful, I have a small favor to ask of you. Please hit that subscribe button to stay updated with the latest episodes. And if you know someone who could benefit from these episodes, maybe a fellow business leader or an aspiring entrepreneur, go ahead and share this episode with them. Let's spread the knowledge and grow together. Also, I'd love to hear from you and continue the conversation beyond the podcast. Visit me at katiebrinkley.com to connect, to find more resources, or just to share your journey. And be sure to pick up your copy of my new book, The Social Shift, at katiebrinkley.com slash book. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Katie Brinkley, and I can't wait to dive into more strategies and stories with you on the next episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. Let's keep on taking your marketing to new heights.